Welcome to the Ace Tip Podcast, where we translate science into sense, so you can learn about research in the justice and health fields without having to access or read a lengthy journal article or report. I'm Danielle Rudes, your host, and I'll do most of the work for you. All you have to do is listen. ACED is a cool and super helpful product brought to you by the NIDA-funded Justice Community Opioid Innovation Network, or JCOIN, through the Coordination and Translation Center, CTC, housed at the Center for Advancing Correctional Excellence, ACE, at George Mason University. For more information, check out jcoinctc.org. Now, let's get started. Medications for opioid use disorders can improve a variety of outcomes from quality of life to mortality. We also know that there are challenges to providing these treatments to those who need them. From stigma to availability, we have discussed some challenges to implementing medications for addiction treatments. But even when these treatments are available, challenges to providing treatment to all who need it remains challenging. We can think about treatment like a funnel. When trying to connect individuals with treatment, we may start with a big group, but as time goes by and challenges arise, fewer and fewer people continue with their treatment. Christy Scott and colleagues' 2019 article entitled A Community Outreach Intervention to Link Individuals with Opioid Use Disorders to Medication-Assisted Treatment evaluates a peer outreach and MAT treatment linkage program and discusses the different factors that increase the likelihood that participants pursue treatment. To evaluate this program, researchers teamed up with peer outreach workers and identified communities with high rates of opioid use. Peer outreach workers are people in recovery from an opioid use disorder with at least one year of stable recovery. The peer outreach workers receive training on how to safely and effectively provide information to and recruit participants. Peer outreach workers recruited in nine communities, specifically at hotspots for drug use, such as parks, public transportation stops, and more. After approaching potential clients, the peer outreach workers provided information about services and resources, confirmed eligibility, connected the individual to staff members for more details, and set up linkage meetings. These linkage meetings were the next stop in the process. The linkage managers use a modified recovery management checkup intervention during these meetings to engage potential clients and ensure they move to the next phase of treatment. This modified recovery management checkup included motivational interviewing techniques to discuss the benefits of going to treatment. It also involved problem-solving barriers to the treatment. And finally, it included a proactive or assertive approach to moving potential clients along to the next phase. This means that the linkage managers scheduled the treatment intake appointments for the potential client and even provided transportation to the appointment. At these linkage meetings, staffers and researchers explained the treatment process, collected demographic information, and referred participants to detox, MAT, or other treatment options as appropriate. So, how did the peer outreach workers and the linkage managers do? Over a one-year period, peer outreach workers contacted or connected with 3,308 eligible clients, 1,638 of whom agreed to attend a linkage meeting. 972 of those individuals attended the linkage meeting, and 890 of those scheduled their MAT intake. Additionally, 765 completed their MAT intake. Of those, 696 received one dose of MAT, with 670 receiving their second dose. 
Out of all the participants, 498 were still in the MAT program 30 days after their first dose. These findings highlight the funneling effect of treatment, a program that began with 1,638 interested participants ended up with 498 people. Why is that? The researchers used a statistical approach called logistic regression to try to see which factors would predict whether a person moved to the next phase. A variety of demographic factors increased or decreased the likelihood of making it through the funnel. So let's discuss these. African-American individuals were more likely than others to show up to the linkage meeting. And those aged 50 to 59 years old were more likely than other ages to attend. Those who had MAT in the past were more likely to attend as compared to those who had not experienced MAT previously and those who had any substance use treatment in the past six months were more likely to attend than those who had not. The next stage of the funnel is attending to the MAT intake. African-Americans, again, were more likely to complete their MAT intake than others. Those aged 19 to 29 and 30 to 39 were more likely than others to show. And those with stable housing were more likely to attend MAT intake than those without. Some factors that decreased the likelihood of showing up to MAT intake compared to others included homelessness, living at a shelter, having visited an emergency department in the last year, and other drug use in the past year. The final stage of the funnel is continuing participation in MAT 30 days after the first dose. Those who had Blue Cross Blue Shield health insurance were more likely to continue their MAT than those without insurance or those with different coverage. Those age 50 to 59 were more likely than others to continue treatment. And those who previously had MAT were more likely to continue than those who had never had that treatment. Some factors that decreased the likelihood an individual continued their treatment 30 days after their first dose included reporting weekly cocaine use and those ages 30 to 39 years old. This research suggests community-based peer outreach can effectively connect potential clients to MAT treatment. This study highlights how this form of recruitment may be particularly useful for connecting those who have never had treatment to resources. In addition, To showing the benefits of peer outreach, this research also shows how treatment can act like a funnel, with people leaving the programs at different stages and some characteristics that decrease or increase the likelihood of leaving. It's important to study the different characteristics that make individuals vulnerable or successful in treatment because we can then craft interventions to better target those who we lose through the funnel. By better understanding the factors that go into continuing treatment, we can work to widen the bottom of the funnel, allowing more people to access treatment that saves lives. That wraps another episode of the Aced It podcast. We thank you for listening to Aced It, where we translate science into sense. Also remember, you can find one-page summary overviews written in plain language and short knowledge bursts, which are 30-second overviews, for all the research we cover on this podcast on our website, www.jcoinctc.org. Our conveniently packaged research summaries may help you remember what you heard here, and they will help you translate this research to your staff, friends, students, or colleagues. Additionally, we'd like to thank NIDA, Dr. Faye Taxman, and all the students and staff at ACE, including our podcast mastermind doctoral candidate, Shannon Magnuson, who is the brainchild behind this podcast. Oh wait, two more quick things. If you're a researcher and you'd like us to consider using one of your research articles or reports for an upcoming podcast, please send it to me, Danielle, at d r u d e s at gmu 
www.edu. If you'd like to support our podcast to keep the sense coming, please tell your friends and colleagues about us or assign this podcast to your students or staff. Thanks again, and please tune in again soon for another informative episode of the ACE-DIT podcast, Translating Science into Sense.